Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. The race is on, and one of the biggest driver market bombshells in F1 history has dropped with news that Lewis Hamilton will race for Ferrari in 2025, in doing so leaving a Mercedes outfit that he's become synonymous with. I'm Ed Straw and joining me to discuss a move that has huge ramifications for F1's driver market, the teams involved, and Hamilton himself, are Scott mitchell Mal and Mark Hughes. Well Mark, hello again. Where does this stand among the big driver market surprises? Certainly wasn't really on the radar even 24 hours ago. No, at the timing of it's very surprising. And um, he's talked in the past about one day it would be nice to go to Ferrari. But um, that was in the main, that was a few years ago. And uh, more recently, he's, you know, he's, he's got on record as saying, no, I'll be here for the and, until retirement. So um, obviously you, you can never take drivers at their word when they say stuff like that. And they might mean it at the time, but... Things change and motivations change and circumstances change. Um, but yeah, surely it's um, it's one of the big big surprises of uh, recent years. Um, you know, probably probably even exceeding that of his um, his decision to leave McLaren um, at the end of twenty twelve. Uh, it's uh, it, it's probably even bigger than that. Yeah, exactly. It's up, it's up there with things like that. Vettel to Ferrari, when that was announced, fairly that came together fairly rapidly. Rosberg's sudden mic drop moment when he retired from Formula 1 after winning the World Championship. These mm. are the uh, surprising ones. But Scott, how about you? As we always say, you love a bit of news, although you've been running around uh, all day and would probably be rather having a lie down than uh, than talking on a podcast after all that. Uh, I don't know. Some, something like this feels, it feels very significant to a even be just a small part of it you know like we get to we get to cover such a such a big story such a surprise story and then really get stuck into it is is fascinating and and it is i think it is one of those days that it's a it's, it's a privilege to be part of the chaos you know it's it's good fun um and i was just in as we were getting ready to to finally sit down and, and record this i was just i was looking at uh, I think it must have been the Ferrari announcement on my phone, and I was just thinking, I was looking at the words, and when you're so when you're so up close to it, and we, we've been so flat out today to to get everything together, all the content that we've done around it, it kind of blurs a little bit in your mind what you're actually talking about, because once you've actually got past the initial shock, you're just dealing with it in the kind of basically the same way you would do normal stories, the way you're going about it, how do you follow it up and then you have to put that together so the actual doing the work takes over so just looking at the Ferrari announcement I was just reading the words that Lewis Hamilton's gonna be at Ferrari and I just it's just absurd it, it take, taking a few seconds to pause and process it it it's crazy to me that Lewis Hamilton will be a Ferrari Formula One driver it is just it's an it's an outstanding driver markets uh, shake up I think it's funny actually you mentioned that Ferrari statement the reason we we're recording this now as we waited for the the final statements to come out so we could be nice and uh, up to date but the Ferrari statement is so perfunctory and it just says Scuderia Ferrari is pleased to announce that Lewis Hamilton will be joining the team in 2025 on a multi-year contract so prosaic for something so uh, enormously massive and of course that followed hot on the heels of Mercedes announcing that Hamilton would be departing the team. That's the way of these things. Now, anytime there's something big, you have synchronised press releases, don't you? Someone always has to leave in the press release realm before they can join somewhere else. Seems to be the uh, the, the standard way of things. But yeah, it was uh, yeah just just one of those uh, one of those big days. And, and I guess Mark, it's just it's just good that we will see this happening. Just from a an interest perspective, because it did look like it wasn't going to. So that that's probably why this one's almost a double surprise because it's just come so late i'm massively looking forward to it it's, it's such a great development in the in the in the narrative of formula one and it's um 
you know, it, it, it's the way that it's come out of the blue. It, it just gives a sense of volatility that's maybe lacking after we've just gone through a, an off season and in, for the first time, not a single driver change has happened. And then suddenly, before this season's even started, we get an announcement about the next season, which is just earth shattering in uh, Formula One terms. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's added a, an energy and it's, um, you know, it, it's just, you, you, you want to see it unfold you, you you're already sort of thinking past this season to, to next season to, to, to how is this going to work how's it how's it going to be but also what, what of course is fascinating is um what the mercedes is going to be like this year because if it's really really good and, and hamilton's winning races in it and if for example that happens and the ferrari's not so good you know that that that's fascinating to, to watch the dynamics there and how that's going to how it's all going to play out so it just you just you know when everything's so uncertain but you know that there's a set thing going to happen um, down the road. But you know how your route to that is is, um, is open. I think it's uh, it, it's it really makes the uh, the preseason a lot more exciting, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. I, I love it for so many reasons because of the narratives. Like it, it is so fascinating, and Mark's right. It gives. Just everything now has higher stakes. The performance of the Mercedes, the performance of Ferrari. Even if nothing happens, if we have another 2023 season, we've still got this massive thing hanging over us for for next year to to, to look forward to. And there's and there's going to be all kinds of things. The way that George Russell and Lewis Hamilton engage with each other now that you know Russell's got an opportunity to make that team his own, and Hamilton's on his way out. So there's nothing to lose there anymore. Who cares if he burns some? burn some bridges, what's going to happen at Ferrari. All of this stuff's super interesting. And I think one final point on just the, how seismic the move is, because, Ed, you asked Mark in the introductory question to him about where it ranks amongst the all-time surprises. What I love about it is it is, Mark kind of alluded to this, it's something we didn't think was going to happen that we can now experience. And F1, I feel, has a... So many, so many what ifs. What ifs almost make up some of the most interesting parts of of F one. But and but there are a few like gold standard driving what ifs, aren't there? And Hamilton not driving for Ferrari would have been one of them. Not necessarily in the like Kubica at Ferrari kind of thing, because there isn't the element of tragedy in that. But just out of sheer fascination. Hamilton not driving for Ferrari would have been something we missed out on, and now we get it. And I can't really think of anything in my mind that kind of jumps out like that, where you've you've got that back. You thought you we thought we weren't going to get this, and now we're going to get it. And it's just a brilliant bookend to what has obviously for Lewis been an outstanding career. And the great thing is, it's just a, a big story because certainly from our perspective, we just want things to happen that are interesting. And Hamilton going to Ferrari regardless of how it plays out is going to be a great story if it's tre- if it's a tremendous success it's a great story if it's a disaster it's a great story if it's a bit middling and all right it's just it's just a big talking point and at a time when the driver market can get a little bit stagnant and a bit predictable it's great to have this now i should say as a disclaimer we did do a few weeks ago a predicting the 2025 grid driver market podcast and we did say a few times uh, the caveat that well obviously there could be some bombshell that we don't see coming that's going to change the market completely and this is exactly what that is we didn't see this one coming that's rendered our podcast of a few weeks ago uh <laughs> fairly out of date because so much is changing but that's what i think the driver market can offer and offers less these days but i just think it's brilliant that it can still do this it can still surprise you it can still create something seismic that has a huge impact on the rest of the driver market that just transforms the stories and that's that's great news for formula one across the board i think and that's why this story has got people so exciting so scott let's get into the detail a bit because there has been as we've said this talk about hamilton maybe racing ferrari for a decade and a half and then the ship seemed to have sailed and then it's suddenly been recalled back to port and on his hopping for 2025 the obvious question is whether or not this is a good move for hamilton what do you think well, that's what makes the next two or three years so enticing. That's what, that's when we'll find out, and it will play out 
it will play out in real time. We'll we'll get hints of it through this year with how Mercedes performs and how Ferrari performs, and then we'll have the the first year as he beds himself in. Can he go into Charles Leclerc's house and 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 take it for his own in the in the first year? How will Ferrari and of course Mercedes handle brand new regulations in 2026? That's what I love about it. It's so layered. And it's just going to be this bit that, like, bit by bit, we're going to piece that puzzle together. But it's going to take two or three years to to see the final picture. I think for him, I, I think it can only be, I think it can only be a good move because, based on what he, based on what he did last year in signing the contract, based on what we heard from him in the second half of the year, based on some of the stuff he said in the interview that that Mark was part of at the end of the season in terms of. Mercedes seeming to have found its North Star with its car design. All of the signs indicated that Hamilton and Mercedes were on the same page in terms of returning to the top of F1 together. Now, you heard from the Mercedes technical director, James Allison, didn't you, Ed, a couple of weeks ago in which he was talking about Hamilton's psyche and what motivates him and everything that they want to achieve together. He he's he's not saying that in an open media call if they're expecting in that moment Hamilton to to leave at the end of this season. Hamilton's not doing and saying everything he did last year if he didn't mean it. So something has happened, whether it's in the last day, last week, last month, whether it is festered for a while and it's just kind of that in that bit of introspection that we all do over the winter has has now manifested itself in him going, actually, do you know what? I want to make a change. Something has made him think, actually, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be at Mercedes. I want to go to Ferrari. I want to see that, whether that's competitive, financial, emotional, whatever the reason. And for him to have made that decision without driving the 2024 Mercedes in the real world world, means he must really, really want this. And in that sense, it, it, it it can only be a good move for him. Yeah, I agree. It, I think whatever happens, this is a, a good move. He's look, he's, he's got more achievements than anybody else. He's got more achievements on the board than anybody in history uh, in Formula One. Um, he doesn't need to prove himself um, either to himself or to the outside world. I think he's got past all of that. Um, if he's been realistic, you know, in the in the early hours of the night when he's he's lying there thinking about it is he going to win another world championship quite possibly not it's this is quite possibly the the long term era of of a red bull and verstappen for years to come um is he convinced that mercedes is going to be able to bounce back and take on red bull and get back to where he was at least in 21 where he can take on max on equal terms maybe he's not convinced about that Maybe they can, but maybe they can't. But why not? Why not go to Ferrari? Just have a different life. Just have a, you know, you tick that box. It's a, it's going to be a nice way of life. You, it's going to be something that you've done. Um, you can enjoy it, and it's it's exciting, and it it might work. It might come off, uh, which which I think you just consider to be a bonus. But you know, one of the th- that interview you're referring to, which um, we did in Abu Dhabi. There was an air of uncertainty about him. I reference it in the, in the piece we did on the race.com. He, he just, yeah, the, the mask was slipping sometimes. He, he was trying to be positive. It was as if he knew what he should be saying, not not necessarily to us as the press, but almost to himself. But he couldn't, he, the emotions weren't always backing it up. And it, there was definitely an uncertainty about when he talked about his future um slightly despairing air sometimes and he'd said something like you know i'm being scrutinized all the time and i'm a place in my life where there's no way i can win if i win i'm a seven-time world champion with 103 race wins so if i win so what and if i don't win it's a, it's a massive deal and i think if he's in that frame of mind and thinking well i'm at the same place and i'm not necessarily convinced it's going to be revolutionally different from how it's been the last two years. Why not change the scenery? Why not mix it up and just try for something? And, uh, you know, because I'd I'd said, well, you know, bouncing back, the the, the prospect of bouncing back, that must be exciting itself. Like, 
when you joined from McLaren when the team wasn't very successful. He said it's not the same. It's not the same energy. He says because you're getting to know new people in a new relationship and it's just raw excitement. He says this is a different kind of you know it'll be very satisfying if you do it, but it's not it's not the raw excitement. And I think looking back on it, that's probably what he was thinking of. He's probably thinking, do I need a new relationship to get it all going again? Um, because yeah. You might be right. You may have seen something. You may have tried the car on the sim and and found it. It's there's things about it he still doesn't like, and it's 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 maybe triggered him. But it it can't have been just that because this to get to the stage where you're ready to make an announcement, official announcement with a team, two teams, it takes months and months of planning. You know, in terms of getting the contractual stuff right and. You know, especially with Lewis, he's got lots of you know, you know, um, complications within his contract and things. That, um, you know, these Project Forty Four, and it's it's obviously something that's been he's been preparing for, and maybe not being ready to press the button. But yeah, something's maybe made it time to press the button. You know, the the new season's almost upon us, so why not? It's the kind of thing that it has to have that that fundamental thing underpinning it, doesn't it? There's not one. There's not going to be one trigger that's made him change his mind or mm. or anything like that. It, it has to have that kind of deep rooted thing. And I think Lewis, in general, is quite good at saying the right thing and knowing he needs to say the right thing. But with what you were alluding to, with that, how that came, how he came across in Abu Dhabi in in, in that interview, there's a little bit of who you're trying to convince here us or are you actually trying to convince yourself with some of the things that you're saying so for for, for all those reasons it's why I think like it, it will be a it will be a good move for him it's, it's refreshing it's exciting it's a phenomenally fun way for him to end his career as well driving for Ferrari having that even if it is only for a couple of seasons if he doesn't get the success it's still something that he can say I, I wanted to do this and I did it and I made it happen because I could but I suspect Ed going back to the original question you're also wondering if this is a good move or not from a competitive point of view. And I would argue that he doesn't need Ferrari to be more competitive than Mercedes for this to be a good move. He just needs it to not be less competitive than Mercedes. But how how do you see that? Do, do, do you see with, with, with how the first two years of this rule set has gone in particular, is, is there a tangible difference between what Mercedes and Ferrari offer? There are differences, yes. I wouldn't say there's conclusive information on either. I wouldn't want to hazard a guess as to which one will do better over the next couple of seasons because there's big pluses and minuses for both. I think Ferrari, as we've spoken about before on the podcast, did a pretty good job in the back end of last season. They showed a good understanding of the limitations of the car. They got much better at getting the most out of it while Mercedes was still all over the map, going to one race weekend thinking, oh, this is great, going to another, oh, we don't know why this isn't very good, oh, we're at Austin, this is great, oh, we've been excluded, oh, we're now here, Lentil Argos, this isn't very good. And it's just this capriciousness and this sort of back and forth that I imagine that had an impact on on Hamilton. I do see the move fractionally differently, and I accept all the facts that with everything that Hamilton's done, you know, his career won't be defined by this, it can only be garnished by it, no matter what happens. But... He is a very driven racing driver. He's driven by winning. And this will not be a good move if Mercedes goes on to win world championships while he's at Ferrari. I think, fundamentally, the first order thing is competitiveness. And I can't believe he'd have made this move if he didn't have some reason, some decent basis to to not have high enough confidence in, in Mercedes. I, I do agree with Scott that perhaps he only needed it to be kind of a coin toss between the two. And then the whole going to Ferrari challenge swings it. But there are ways this could backfire as well. Personal challenges, etc., etc., are are always good. But you've got the Ricardo move away from Red Bull example. It was very good for him and very necessary for him personally. From a pure career perspective, it may have not been. So so it's it's a hard uh, hard balance to to draw up. It's certainly a bold move though, which is very encouraging to see a driver a driver doing and. Yeah, I, I think that there is the risk with this that it ends up looking a bit foolish should Mercedes be winning championships and Ferrari not. But to come back to the question you put to me, Scott, I'm I'm not super confident in Ferrari. 
I've probably a few like single digit percentage points more confidence in Ferrari's trajectory based on what we saw last season but Mercedes have got a little bit more historic credit in the bank because Ferrari have 15 years of various levels of underachieving whereas in that time Mercedes had a lot of success so it's it's really really interesting and I'm I'm sure there are things Hamilton has seen since that last deal was agreed last August that has knocked back his confidence and I think that'll be a mixture of the way the season went at the end of last year the off-track stuff, what he's seeing technically, the simulator, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because for me, the reason this is such a surprise is it's been announced now. If you'd said to me this morning, oh, Hamilton will end up at Ferrari in 2025, I'd have thought, well, he might see how the season starts and then in May commit and off he goes. If that seat's still vacant, I'd think, yeah, that wouldn't be a complete surprise. But committing at this stage, to me, seems really significant. Well... If um, if this turns out to be a masterstroke, and one of the things he's seen is not necessarily the push factor away from Mercedes, but the pull factor from Ferrari, and he's been sold a vision by John Elkin and Fred Vasseur, two people who he has past uh, he has existing relationships with. The Fred one goes back a long, long way to when Lewis was winning titles in F3 and and GP2, and John Elkin he's known socially outside of, of Formula One for for a while now as well. He could be looking at that and thinking, this is where I need to be for the next engine and, and, and car rules. And let's not forget that that's how Lewis got himself into this position in the first place. He backed the right horse for, for that engine era. So if he gets this right as well, then um, it, it, a long time from now, Lewis's brain needs to be studied by science because he's clearly got a sixth sense um, if, it, if, it, if it works out that way. Obviously, it's not... But the one thing to consider is that it's not just... The, the it's not just about the package it's not just about whether this is right from a car competitiveness point of view he's going in as I said earlier he's going into Leclerc's house you know Ferrari is Charles' team and from the start in 2025 Charles will be at 100% of what that car can offer you can be pretty confident of that and he as I've said many times on this podcast I think Charles is the fastest driver in Formula 1 over a lap so it's a massive challenge for Hamilton and one fair play for being willing to do it because, okay, you could argue it's a little bit easier at this stage of your career than Orlando Norris who doesn't want to go up against Max Verstappen at Red Bull, but just fair play to, to Lewis for being up for it. But two, he's got his work cut out. It's it's going to be fascinating to see how he rises to it. And it's really, really early days. We could probably spend the next, and we probably will spend the next twelve months wondering, wondering this and and posing this question in one way or another. But what are you, what are your two, what are your respective views tentatively at this stage about Leclerc versus Hamilton in the same team? It's going to be, um, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, Lewis is going to be forty years old by the time he races that Ferrari, and by which time, Charles will be what twenty seven. Um. 28 halfway through the year, I think. And as you say, yeah, Charles is already in place. So I think Lewis would be doing extremely well to start off anywhere near. You know, if he's winning a, a tenth or two of Charles, I think that would be a perfectly respectable starting point. Um, but it would then be the the, the racecraft, uh, you know, the, the the tire understanding, the the, the vision of the race, how the race, you know, is shaping uh, the relationship with his race engineer. All these things are are going to be the determinants of uh, how successful he is relative to Charles. And I think over the season, there's no reason why he he can't he can't compete with Charles. I don't think um, it would be realistic to to think I'm an eight-time or seven-time world champion. Whatever he thinks of it, I think he thinks of it as an eight-time. Um, and I can, I can beat this guy. Um, I don't think you'll be going in there with that certainty. I think you'll be going in there with confidence that he can compete with them. And uh, I think if he's able to do that, that, that would be um, an, an achievement in itself. I think the other good thing is, while they're not identical drivers in terms of style and car preferences, they're not at extreme opposites or anything. It's very much a, a sort of spectrum. If you want to look at it in the very simple terms as the the kind of understeer to oversteer car, they're not they're not miles apart or anything in terms mm. of what they want. And I think you're you're within the realm of it. You can make it work for for both of them. And it's yeah, it's it's a fascinating little uh, little challenge there for the two of them. And it, it's something that could 
could help Leclerc as well to to refine his game and sharpen his game because it means he's up against a driver of such quality. Yeah, he's shown obviously very well against Vettel in the past, who's a four times world champion. But Hamilton's another uh, another challenge. So yeah, that that'll be that'll be a really interesting. One. I, I I couldn't say which way it will go overall from from this this far out, and that's another tantalising prospect too great drivers in the same team it's just one one of them's got uh, got pretty much all the wins and the world championships and uh but the other one's got bags of ability and is a really really strong driver so that's tantalizing yeah and and, and linked to it i think is i mentioned it before like I, I i rate the confidence from from lewis and i like that he's not afraid to take on the next generation you know he obviously he had a preference didn't he at mercedes he'd have liked them to have retained valtteri bottas but what ultimately once mercedes made its decision and wanted george russell hamilton was fine with that and was was, was if anything keen to go up against him in his first year in f1 he was teammates with fernando alonso he ended up with jensen button for a few years as as well the the, the nico rosberg years Rosberg proved himself a world championship caliber driver. Now, as I say, Hamilton's going to go up against, I think, the fastest driver in Formula One over a single lap. Another member of the the, the, the generation after Hamilton who is a, a, a superstar. And I wonder, because I think what Hamilton did in 2023 against Russell certainly undid any of the quote-unquote damage to his reputation from 22 when Russell ostensibly beat him. Um, is in the championship anyway. He's proven against Russell that he's not just going to get brushed aside by an up-and-comer. Now he gets the chance to go up and show himself against Leclerc as well. So if he doesn't win the eighth title, if he doesn't win more races, whatever, how much do you think this? How much do you think this enhances Hamilton's reputation? The fact that he, when he re- eventually retires, and who knows how far he's going to keep going we will be able to look back on a career that includes time as teammate to Alonso, Button, Rosberg, uh, Russell, Leclerc, spanning those different generations and never once looking like he was having his backside handed handed to him. That, that's got to count for something in a way that other legendary drivers and multiple world champions, I, I don't think, I don't think can, can make that claim in the same way with the same strength of teammates. Certainly a strong array of drivers, yeah. Very much so, and and if he can, as a forty-year-old, show well against Leclerc, that's that's very very positive. He's had such a long and successful career. There's going to be so many different ways that his legacy is reflected on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A, a kind of bookend to the season or an end to the an end to the career at Ferrari will only be a very sort of small part of that. But I, I feel if you're going to talk about legacy, it almost does become a free hit from that perspective because if it's a couple of disappointing seasons, it's it's a bit, oh, he was fairly old, just having a bit of fun at Ferrari. But if it goes really well, then it's it's a, a bit of an enhance, well, a big enhancement to the to the story. So that that maybe plays a, a part into it, a part in it, and the whole magic of the idea of going to Ferrari. But certainly, you could never accuse him of being afraid of teammates. He certainly, like everyone, would like a compliant teammate. Any driver would. It's a question of how. Uh, strident they are in trying to prevent having a uh, a stronger teammate than a uh, a compliant number two that, that defines them. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think um, his willingness to go up against anyone, uh, I, I think, um, puts that uh, reaching out to Red Bull that Christian Horner referenced at the end of last year, where he'd, um, he, a representative of Hamilton's, believed to be his dad, uh, reached out just sort of saying, you know. Any chance in anything going here in the future, and would would I, would I get equal equipment and etc. He was, you know, quite happy to go up against Max Verstappen and Max Verstappen's team as well. So I think he's um, he's definitely in the mood to to take on a, a massive new challenge. I think that's that's part of what he's looking to energize himself. And um, you know that Red Bull didn't want to do it that way. They didn't want to have a two bulls in the field, but um, looks like. Ferrari's quite happy to do that, so yeah, game on. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch because it could go either way. You've got this stunningly fast driver in, in Charles Leclerc, who's who's not only a one-trick pony; he can p- produce very, very good race performance as well. As well against Lewis Hamilton, who's this great, rounded, battle-hardened package. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic story to follow, and yeah, it. it it could go absolutely either way at this stage, not just in terms of how it plays out between those two, but in terms of whether 
moving to Ferrari from Mercedes is a good or a bad move. And that's what makes it such a such a bold thing to do. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, Mark, let's move on to what Hamilton's decision says about Mercedes specifically. As we've referred to, it maybe says something about his expectations for them, but he's not actually driven the Mercedes W15 in the real world, let alone gauge it relative to the opposition. He'd have driven the car in simulator, certainly. He'll have followed its progress. But what does it tell us about the state of that team? I think it tells us that it, it hasn't got something sensational in simulation. It hasn't got something that makes Lewis say, whoa, I'm not going to Ferrari. Have you seen these numbers? I think it's, you know, they have clearly feel that they've understood what the fundamental problems of last year's car was and, and the, the year before that. Uh, they clearly feel they've got a much better understanding of the relationship between the aero platform, the suspension platform, which is probably at the key of Red Bull's advantage. And, and based on that, they've probably reasonably confident they, they can close the gap but Red Bull have got a head start and I doubt Hamilton would have made this move if there was something in simulation saying these numbers are sensational look what we found so uh, I, I would expect Mercedes to continue to close the gap uh, the, uh, the last year's car qualified an average of just over 0.4 of a percent off the front, whereas the year before was just over 0.7 of a cent, I would expect that to continue to, to close down. Um, where that puts it relative to everyone else is you know, not in their within their control. Depends on what the Ferraris like, depends on what the McLarens like, um, depends you know what Red Bull has found. But I don't think the I'm not expecting the Mercedes to be a disaster, but I not sensing that it's uh, there's something sensational about to um to, to break cover yeah it's it's a question of where the where the bar is set in terms of what it takes for to to trigger the desire to depart but i i don't think it i don't it's not it's not a great vote of confidence in mercedes in fact i'd say it is a bit of a vote of no confidence and i'm saying that from the perspective of we know how important winning is to hamilton so scott you've <laughs> Do you think it's fair for me to assume that there's still a long way for Mercedes to go to prove that it can recapture past glories? And even though it seemed to be going in the right direction, it's maybe not going in the right direction fast enough and it could just end up floundering in a similar sort of position for quite some time. I think so, because I'm just trying to think what else could possibly happen. If if the signs are that Hamilton's going to get everything he wants from the Mercedes this year, or in the medium term as well, beyond 2024, next season, and also 2026. What what could it what could it be? And if it and if there is anything, that has to reflect poorly on Mercedes in another way. Because I can't believe that Lewis would do something like this purely because he's been given a mega bucks salary from Ferrari because he'd have been pretty well recompensed at Mercedes as it is. Well, well the bottom line, if he was going to do that, and this this argument applies to a number of the reasons for doing it, he'd have done it last August rather than signing the new deal. Yeah. And that's the same as if he just fancied to go with Ferrari. Exactly. All of those things, would those same conditions would be there in August when he agreed that deal. Exactly. So then it's a, then it's a case of, okay... Could he have seen anything from Ferrari that just absolutely blew his mind? And the only thing there, you would imagine from a competitive point of view, is he's, they're not going to show him like-for-like like wind tunnel or simulator numbers, are they, versus Mercedes? So so there's not going to be like an, an utterly stunning, completely, I can't say no to this offer from, from Ferrari, you'd, you'd think. Has there, has there been some kind of internal fallout recently that's led to it? That's the only other thing that... It's always possible. In my mind, 
moves it on. We were saying earlier when when Mark and I were talking about there being this, there must be something underlying there. That's the only kind of thing I can imagine being a trigger for for all of this. So my 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 point is that if there's been a fallout, it's bad for Mercedes. If it's a general feeling of ah, I just don't think this is where I'm going to get my best opportunities over the next two or three years, that's bad for Mercedes. And if it is really, because I, I joked earlier, because there was the photo that Mercedes put of him, I presume it was just Lewis having a seat fit that we saw a couple of days ago. And I just like, how bad was the seat fit if he's now doing this? And it's obviously not that simple. But He, he probably he was got meant- in it and thought, oh, they've put, the, they've put the cockpit in front of the front axle. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. it's, gone to, it's gone to 1983 spec. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's... It is possible that the thing that cemented it is something in the last few days in terms of a meeting at the team or uh, driving it on the simulator or, or, or something like that. But whatever it is, there has to be an element here of him losing faith to some degree, somewhere in the organisation, whether that's on this year's car, for the future, for the 2026 regs, whatever it is, that there is something that... Because if it's a multi-year deal with Ferrari, and I've seen a suggestion... In the Italian media, it's a two plus one, and the one is so the one is an option, presumably on Ferrari's side, but I don't know. <sighs> He's seen something somewhere that he doesn't like, and that that you're right to interpret that as a negative for Mercedes. There's other negatives, one of which is losing a high quality driver in Lewis Hamilton. That one's a fairly obvious one, but also Mark, there's a commercial, there's a commercial dimension here, isn't there mm. as well? Hamilton's hugely valuable. How much of a hit do you think that is for Mercedes? It, it will be a hit. Um, Mercedes is very, very profitable, though. Um, so, it, it, but it will, um, you know, sponsors aren't going to be paying the same buck for um, for whoever Lewis's replacement is um, as they would be for Lewis. Um, it's just a different rate card. So, yes, um, I don't know if the, the team can the team can only spend up um, up to the the budget cap, and its income is considerably higher than the budget cap so it makes a big profit a very handy profit um so there's there's plenty of headroom there for it to lose a little bit of commercial income but i I think it will be losing some commercial income um you know going forward yeah definitely and ferrari will be gaining so yeah absolutely there'll be a lot of commercial work going on there as well so yeah it's and i think overall for mercedes it's just another little blow isn't it they've had this amazing period and then two difficult years and losing your 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 star driver is a bit of a blow no it's not going to be a monolith everyone involved in that team over a thousand people aren't going to have exactly the same feelings there'll be there'll be some who will just be thinking well good luck to you. you you've done great things for us you're having a go at Ferrari, we can't blame you for that. But there'll be some that will feel a, a sort of big sense of loss from it because their 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 star driver's gone, and it will make people wonder. Well, what does this say about the the wider thing? Because one of the things about Formula One teams, they're huge, and Mercedes is one of the teams that tries quite hard to communicate internally and say how everything's going. But if you're someone who's in, I don't know, electronics, just to throw a random thing. You'll be thinking, what does this say about what's going on in Aero or that kind of thing? Who who knows? So, yeah, it's just another just general intangible negative. And there's always going to be an element here where because there's speculation, as, as pretty like as we're doing now, but in more specific terms, there will be speculation about what has caused this and where where Lewis has lost faith and and, and all of this. There, when that then coincides with people leaving or potentially leaving the team, that that has knock-on impacts because one of the suggestions, I don't know if you two saw this earlier, is that this is linked to Loic Serra leaving because we believe that he is the big-name Ferrari tech recruit who will be, would be joining, for I guess, by, I guess in 2025, uh, by the time that someone of his standings gardening leave is up. So the suge- and he's and he's not the only big name tech person who's going to no win no no that. but but from Mercedes yeah. and he's head of vehicle performance I think is that right at Mercedes very very senior figure there been absolutely key part of the technical organization seems to be someone who Hamilton was aligned with that's the that's the suggestion so if you have speculation like that doing the rounds then externally and more importantly internally you have people asking, well what are these what do these people know that we didn't why are these people leaving are, are we are we on the right track here and then the question is right who else is going to go with him 
what, what what's he gonna is Peter Bonington gonna go with him? Because that is a that's a super important relationship, one that Hamilton has built up over a very long period of time and has talked extensively about how important it is for him. And going into a new team in a new country where the obviously I would imagine the entire team speaks English and, and good English, but getting to grips on that communication is going to be really important. I can absolutely imagine Lewis would love to go there with Bono and that Ferrari would probably do what they can to bring Bono over with him because it's a great way to sort of smooth that transition. But who else? Other people within Hamilton's performance team, people within the other, the rest of the organisation, the wider organisation, you, you it's completely, it's, it would be naive not to question who else would want to go there with Lewis. Also, people outside that organisation that might convince Lewis... Um, you know, if they've recruited somebody good from Red Bull and he's spoken with them and, you know, they, they've been able to convince them of, of certain things, um, maybe that would uh, increase the attractiveness as well. It's not necessarily just from inside Mercedes. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, a lot of people know each other in Formula One and they talk to each other. So it'll have been a big network of uh, bits of information that will have influenced the the decision. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is bad news for Mercedes, isn't it? But ultimately, drivers have left teams before, so it's just one of those challenges that flares up sometime. But one thing I will say is it's very, very different to have Hamilton committing to moving to Ferrari a year out than it would be had Hamilton retired because that's just a it's just a different motivation so a different effect on the on the team in terms of just the the emotional impact if you want to put it that way We'll get back to the pod in a moment but first a word about our partner Grammarly No matter what kind of work you do how you communicate is key all those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said done. Right, Scott, let's talk about the rest of the driver market. As we mentioned earlier, we did that podcast predicting the 2025 driver market that's now been proved utterly wrong because of this. I was half right. Well, you, you, were, I was half right. you were the most confident there'd be a change in that Ferrari seat. I thought science would stay on because I, didn't, I certainly didn't see Hamilton on the horizon. I was right for the wrong reasons that signs would leave Ferrari. And is still it, right. And it now makes perfect sense because, of course, and and now, now that... Just to cl- just to finish this because I want to put a ribbon on this. Now it clarifies something within the Ferrari situation, which is you remember we were asking, it's like why wouldn't Ferrari offer signs a two year deal? Why wouldn't it? Now now we know it would have done. Yeah. But it was but they were chasing Hamilton, so the duration of the deal I think was a red herring. I don't think there was any disagreement there. It was just signs wasn't the driver that they wanted. Well, there was disagreement in that they only wanted him as a stopgap, effectively, at this point, and he wanted to stay there long term. So that that's the I guess the the thing there. But yeah, it's a it's a different outlook, isn't it? A more specific reason for them to to do it. But there's lots of ramifications here. So I guess item one on the agenda here is who replaces Hamilton? What do you think, Scott? Who's in your expertly assembled uh, driver lineup prediction that you've hastily rearranged after we did one a few weeks ago? <laughs> well, I, I think there's there's a there's a there's a small cluster of drivers, and the first one who I, I need you two to sense check this one for me because I don't know how much the hangover of Spygate, the disqualification, and the fine hangs over Mercedes, given they were part of McLaren. Now, they won't object to taking Pedro de la Rosa. <laughs> Would Mercedes ever sanction Fernando Alonso? In the right circumstances. What do you think, Mark? Yes, I think they would. I think um, there's enough water under the bridge since then. Um, he has um, achieved a certain amount of success recently with Mercedes engines in the back of his Aston Martin. 
there'll be a certain relationship there. Um, things have been relatively serene there um, on the surface at any rate. And I think, um, I, I, I don't think uh, Mercedes uh, Automotive, which are only the third owner of the, uh, one third owner of the team after all, would be uh, a blockage to uh, Alonso doing at least a, a stand-in role. Um, I don't see him as a long-term replacement, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, he's definitely on the shortlist, I would say. Um, I, I, he's not top of my shortlist. He's the best plug-in-and-play option. I was going to say, so I think he is the, he's the closest approximation to a like-for-like like for Hamilton. Experienced, incredibly determined, amazing ability. They're even a similar age. So it works. Very uh, high profile as well. So very high profile. So it works. And, and as you say, a plug in and play. If you want a pick, if you want to pick a driver who you think, if the Mercedes 20, if the twenty five car is capable of wins and a title challenge, Alonso is the one you plug in to get that straight away. But he wouldn't. I I agree with what Mark said. He wouldn't be top of my list. Top of my list would be either um, Carlos Sainz, who is obviously now we know going to be a free agent, or Alex Albon. I'd be looking at. I think those would be the two people top of my list. They're the two obvious kind of medium term, very good options, both very accomplished drivers and both, yeah, very logical areas of interest, I think. And we know we know Mercedes quite like Albon. We know George Russell likes uh, Alex Albon. I, I must admit, I don't have much of a feel for what Mercedes think about Carlos Sainz because I've never actually asked anyone there. But my personal view of Sainz is that he's... He's a very, very capable, good driver. He offers a lot. He's not the absolute fastest thing on four wheels, but he's a very, very capable, good driver who, at the very worst, will be a, an extremely strong second driver in a top team. Albon has rebuilt himself brilliantly at Williams, so they're they're both very, very obvious contenders. I think there that it's a th- those three names are the obvious shortlist from the experienced drivers but there is a, a very interesting wild card isn't there mark there is yeah the, the mercedes contracted mick schumacher no <laughs> he has of course it's going to be mick schumacher he's the reserve toto wolf's always talking him up other teams are missing out he said last year no, so he, he no, can put his no. money where his mouth is well no, no this guy hasn't even made his f2 debut yet um and has missed out formula three um but has gone straight into the prima f2 team um Kimi Antonelli, uh, 17 years old, uh, quite a sensational looking looking talent. Um, there's been a little bit of running in, um, you know, uh, non non F2 cars uh, recently, um, where the F2 drivers are all at the same place at the same time, and it's been wet. And he's fastest by an outrageous margin, and it just, I think sort of backs up everything that everybody that's worked with him has said about him so far that he's the next big one and if he can wipe the floor with the opposition in Formula 2 this year I think he automatically puts himself in contention for that drive regardless of whether people say it's too early um, people would have said exactly the same about putting Lewis Hamilton into a McLaren in 2007 and uh, he could very feasibly have ended up world champion that year so I think if you're good enough it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you don't quite have the last few um, bits of data bank experience. Uh, if you you have that exceptional ability, which it looks like he might have, um, I think he becomes automatically. It, it sounds ridiculous for someone who's even missed out F3 and hasn't even done F2, an F2 race yet. But that's from the perspective of now. I think from the perspective of a few months' time, you know, assuming that he's put it all together, and connected it all up and has dominated the Formula 2 championship in a way that looks like he's capable of doing, then I think he automatically, given that he's already contracted to Mercedes, I think he's automatically a a candidate. It's the kind of thing that happens when situations are a little bit unexpected, because that Hamilton comparison you made, Hamilton probably would have had a year or two lower down the grid, had McLaren not been an unexpected situation because Montoya suddenly mid-season in 2006 said, no, had enough of this, off I go to NASCAR. And that meant that they they had a vacancy and it just made sense. So that, that's kind of the thing, Pinantino. Definitely it would be a, it, it would be a, it would be a, a reach in an ideal world. You might, you would want to maybe take the Russell route with him, but 
when it comes down to a cho- choice of this and this situation, there's a case to be made for it. What do you reckon, Scott? Would you dismiss this one out of hand or are you getting behind it? No, I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. I think I think it will be circumstance specific. And I think one of the factors that will play into it is how good a job Russell does this season. Because this is a, such a huge opportunity for him to really, really make that team his own now. I have a sneaking suspicion he would have expected that to be his team by now anyway because Hamilton's longevity just continues to confound all expectations. Um, But he had that little setback in 2023, a messy season. The pace was there, but he made too many mistakes on race days, had a bit of bad luck as well. And he he, he regressed in terms of his results versus his first year in, in, in Mercedes. So he needs to, he needs to course correct a little bit and he needs to prove that he is ready to be the out and out team leader in a post Hamilton world. And if he does a tremendous job this year, smashes Hamilton out of the park, then I think that will give Mercedes more confidence and be like, okay, we're, we're in safe hands here. And then I think in that situation, I think it's easier to be like, let's take our time with Kimi. We'll, we can bring in an Albon type to give Russell his own Bottas, basically. Not no disrespect to Albon, uh, but just uh, and because I think Bottas was fantastic for Mercedes. But what I so what I mean is a, a very fast driver, a driver who's going to win you races, who's going to be able to support a championship bid for, for certain, but is also going to have a good dynamic. It's it's two alpha drivers in terms of what you can expect from them performance-wise, but not two alpha drivers in that they're going to tear the place apart because of their their rivalry. If Russell struggles in any way, if Russell gives them any cause for doubt longer term, that that could be the kind of thing that plays into maybe we need maybe we just need to find out if Antonelli's the real deal because we need someone and and you just go with it because then you just you go left field, but you set yourself up properly for the long term because you're, you've now decided it's not Russell who's the long-term team leader. It's this young guy. The really interesting thing is this normally would leave a team massively in the lurch, but we've listed four drivers there who can all be available and who are all good choices, ultimately. I think even Antonelli is a really interesting one. There's a big part of me that thinks they won't go with a rookie driver and there's a, the big unknown of how he fares in F2. I think he's going to be all right because he's very, very good. So if he has a strong start to the F2 season, he furthers his case. But this is a team that has four genuinely good options and there are other people you could maybe make a case for. It's a little bit different to when Rosberg resigned, retired rather, didn't resign. Uh, he retired at the end of uh, end of 2016 and they had to pay to get Valtteri Bottas out of Williams. It was about 10 million or they had to spend just over 10 million, I think, to get him out of that contract. So that's positive, isn't it, Mark? That there are Alonso, Albon, Antonelli, Sainz. If any of those were signed for Mercedes for that other seat, you wouldn't say, oh, that's bad or that's desperate. You'd say, yeah, that's a good signing. So that, that's a good position for Toto Wolff and everyone to be in, I think. Absolutely, they're not. They're not going to end up with a dud in that seat. They've got plenty of options. Um, you know, Lewis is irreplaceable, I think. But um, you know, from one season to the next. But uh, if you're putting someone in there to to continue to move the team forwards, it's none of those are a dud choice. They they would all they would all work. And there's going to be a lot of talk about this, so this is going to be a great storyline to follow. But, Scott, there's other driver market implications, aren't there? Carlos Sainz, not at Ferrari, as uh, as I was anticipating. I thought he'd probably sign a new deal there. This has not happened, so he's out in the cold. Where do you see him turning up if it's not Mercedes? And based on his options, what do you think his percentage chances of Mercedes? I would imagine he's got a decent chance at Mercedes, I have no reason to believe he has a better chance than an than an Albon, just purely because I don't like you. I don't, I don't know because we've never kind of needed to know what Mercedes thinks of of, of signs, and and a part of me does wonder if that Russell link just gives Albon a little bit of an advantage because the incumbent driver is going to really want him him in there. Signs' advantage is that in addition to being experienced, hardworking and intelligent, he's a proven race winner. So there isn't that that question mark about whether he can he can cut it in in that environment. So I think he's got a decent chance of the Mercedes seat and he should absolutely be on the shortlist. Um but I would say if he doesn't end up there, then and that will 
presumably now be his absolute number one target. I, I stand by what I said on the podcast a few weeks ago. I think he ends up at at, at the out what the would be Audi Works team. So he'd be at stake and Sauber um, in, in in advance of them becoming Audi in 2026 because that's a place where I'm sure he can get a lovely pay packet uh, alongside a long-term deal and a chance of um, being a lead driver in a wood in in a soon to be works team so I, st- I still think that's on on the cards for him yeah if i had to put money on it i feel like science is going to end up at audi but that's not absolutely certain and i'm interested to see how strong a play mercedes might uh make for him what do you reckon mark can you see any other unexpected alternatives for uh, carlos science um no i think you're right i think um williams um williams is on the periphery but audi's favorite i think um yeah, probably probably in the order of Audi, Mercedes, Williams. I think there is realistic options, and um, yeah, like you, I think uh, you'd probably be tempted by Audi from that. There is the outside chance that he could be tempted back into the fold by Red Bull um, if if Checo Perez uh, doesn't put a good season together again. Um, Christian Horner said that, that drives Checo's to make his own. In 25 by his performances this year and if he disappoints they'll then you know that that seat's potentially available but i i don't know i just don't f- it, it's tempting on one level you think well a red bull you know so it's, it's going to run at the front and i can continue to run at the front but yeah gone into verstappen's territory after all those years and it, it, there was a certain amount of tension there when they were together at um what was then toro rosso so yeah probably wouldn't fancy that yeah I'm sure he could make it work pretty well, but he's only ever going to be the second driver, I think. He'll, he'd do a good job, but I don't think that's really how science sees his place in Formula One. Any other things that this has an effect on, Scott? Do you think Lando Norris will be regretting that new longer-term McLaren deal? I have seen some people claiming that because Mercedes would be a great option for him. Do you agree with that? Um, no, I'm not sure because I don't really think at this stage... Mercedes would inspire more confidence than McLaren when you're the incumbent McLaren driver. So I think Norris is very happy where he is. There's also a it's also not impossible that he'd have had an idea this was coming already because there are some suggestions based based on the fact that this has been away in the background for a, at least a little while because Mark was saying earlier that it's very complicated especially for a driver like Lewis to get a contract with him over the line. So this would have been going on for a while. I Imagine Leclerc knew in advance of signing his in, in, in advance of his multi-year deal being confirmed. I suspect si- confirmed, but did he know before he before he signed it? Uh, I I based based on when it was done, I see no reason why he wouldn't have signed that bef- just before it was confirmed. I don't think he would have signed that weeks before or anything like that. So I I I, I think it's reasonable to assume that he he knew before he signed. Um, I don't really think Vasseur plays that game with Leclerc because he is ultimately that long-term hope at, at, at Ferrari. It would be a silly thing to to, to do, and I just ha- I just think that Signs knew as well. I think Signs has known, and between the two of them knowing, especially if Signs knew, there's a chance Norris knew because they're mates. They get on very well, and I just I, I'm not ruling out that being a that being the case yeah I think I'd stay with McLaren over going to Mercedes at this stage I really like the trajectory McLaren's on loads and loads and loads of progress last year some great leadership from Andreas Stella the wind tunneler driver and loop simulator improved their composites capability their machine shop there's a lot good about McLaren I think but the really interesting thing is Mark that this has had a big shaking effect hasn't it because it's it's created a new significant opportunity in mercedes so it's opened up all diff all kinds of different possibilities that weren't on the board uh, a few weeks ago so I, I guess that's the really interesting thing because it complicates uh, the the situation for drivers like alban and science and alonso could be a factor etc etc so it's it, it's it's a proper shake-up that could have some unexpected knock-ons we always look for this in the driver market don't you when don't we when something happens that just changes the game a bit one minute you were playing snakes and ladders in the driver's market the next time it's chess yeah it's exactly it's um that's what i was talking about at the beginning of the podcast when we're talking about how it's introduced a 
a nice volatility that um, that, that wasn't there during this off season, and uh, yeah, the the uh, the pieces won't won't settle from this move um, for for many months yet. It, 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 this is this is going this move is going to trigger uh, a lot of intrigue in the following months. Um, not you know after this one is long done and dusted. Uh, yeah, there's still going to be fallout from this this one move, and there's going to be many many moves are impacted by it. It's a bit like Alonso's move to Aston Martin when he signed that deal in the middle of 2021 had lots of knock-on effects. This is the same in terms of the extent of knock-on effects, but it's a little bit higher stakes given that some of the teams involved uh, higher up the grid. So yeah, it's just any big driver market move is is a great F1 story and it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, what everybody says publicly. And this is going to be bubbling away all through the year. How's Hamilton going to do at Ferrari? How's he going to go about integrating? What's going on with Russell and him at Mercedes? Who's going to get the seat? Loads of storylines. So thanks very much to Scott and Mark for your insight. Head to the race.com. Loads to read there about Hamilton's Ferrari move. Don't forget the hyphen if you're heading there. Check out our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, the Race F1 Tech Show with Gary Anderson, our Formula E, MotoGP and IndyCar pods and also take a look at our youtube channel loads of long form and short videos there including fairly shortly one about hamilton's ferrari move well we know we're going to be talking about hamilton and ferrari for a long time to come so stay with us for everything you need to know for the world of formula one the athletic 